because I have the type of personality that wants maps and I want to have the whole thing ahead of time. Can we have the lights back? The lights? Thank you. I want to have the whole thing planned. I want plan A, plan B, plan C. I want to have the whole thing ready to go. But I noticed that the GPS has a capability that the maps do not have. And that's the capability to recalculate when I take a wrong turn. As a matter of fact, now I call the GPS system Grace Positioning System instead of Global Positioning System. Because I realize that God has a GPS. And if you have taken the wrong turn or your child has taken the wrong turn, God has this incredible capability to recalculate your life and bring you, even if the detour was your fault, bring you back in the moment that you want to do his will, he recalculates and brings you back to the road you were supposed to be in the first place. Grace positioning system, GPS. So this morning we saw Jesus, the catalyst for our reality, our worldview, the future, death, grief, all of those things. Early this afternoon, we saw Jesus as the catalyst for our mission, challenging us to expand, to go to the other side. Now we're going to see Jesus as the catalyst for the purpose of our lives, for our purpose. Why are we here? What's the whole point? If we understand grace and we accept Jesus, is there a purpose for us? Now, one of the most beautiful things that I just saw in this congregation is the ideas starting when we were talking. What if you feel called to start a young adult service on Friday night? What if you feel called to start a Super Bowl thing for the men of the community? What if you're feeling called to something? How is God's presence with you through Jesus help you change and make that change and not be afraid of that calling? Well, uh, before I talk to you about the main topic for, to, for this evening, our last topic, I want to take you to the book of Ephesians. Because uh, Paul, when he was preaching grace, people were saying, okay, so are we saved by grace or we are saved by our calling? Are we, are we saved by the things we do for God or are we saved by grace? What, what, how are we saved? So he put it together in a very uh, easy way to understand. And most of you know this by heart, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. So let's, let's look at this before we start the, the, the evening topic. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 makes it really clear how we are saved. So that nobody gets confused between their salvation and their calling. They're not the same thing. Okay? Because I want to talk to you about the purpose God has for you and your calling. But uh, I want to make sure you understand how we get saved first. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. By grace you have been saved. Please, please pay attention to the verbal tense. I know some of your versions say by by, by um, grace, you're saved or you will be saved, but that's not appropriate. The Greek has a past tense. By grace, you have been saved. That has already happened at the cross 2,000 years ago. By grace, you have been saved. And you grasp this reality, this assurance, by faith. 
And the faith to grasp the grace is also a gift from God. The whole thing is a gift from God. So let's start again. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The grace is the gift, and the faith to understand the grace is also a gift. All of it is a gift. Verse 9, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. So to make it really clear, it says we've been saved by grace. We understand the grace through faith. And none of it is by works so that no one may boast. Once you understand the grace, and by the way, this, this red cloth will represent in our topic the righteousness of Christ through which you have been saved. So this is the way you're saved. Now, when you understand that you're saved by grace through faith, now God has a purpose that he planned ahead of time for you. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So just in case you accepted grace and understood grace, God ahead of time had a dream for your life. He said, I'm going to give this woman this personality because she has a purpose. I'm going to give Ron and Rosa their personality because I have a purpose for them. I'm going to give Joy that personality and this background and this education so that when it's time for her purpose, she, she will step into her purpose. Okay, so we've been saved by what we're going to do for God. No, how have we been saved? By grace. We grasp this through grace. And when we grasp uh, by faith, we get the faith as a gift from God. We get the grace as a gift from God. And God says, now you're ready to do your calling. Our calling is simply a response. It's not the way we earn salvation. Not by works so that no one may boast, but we become the hands and feet of Christ on this earth. So is that clear, the relationship between salvation and our calling? Is it clear? Does anybody have a, a doubt? Okay, so I'm going to say something a little more controversial. What the Holy Spirit does in us and through us is not the gospel. The gospel was done outside of us 2,000 years ago. That's the gospel. Now, the gospel will have in us a response that the Holy Spirit is going to work in us and through us to bless other people. But that's not how we're saved. The good news stands alone 2,000 years ago outside of us. The rest is a response that the Holy Spirit brings in our hearts. Are we clear on that? Okay, now I want to talk to you about your calling and why God allows certain things in your life that you don't understand. And for that, I decided to go to the story of Joseph. So I was going to do all three episodes of the Catalyst uh, from the Gospels, but at the last minute, I took one out from John and I decided to put this one from the Old Testament because, you know, God's presence has been with us from the very beginning of Genesis to the very end, right? So Jesus is present in the whole Bible. And God's presence with us and his assurances actually are a catalyst for our purpose. So let's go to Genesis chapter 37. 
And hopefully today you will make sense of a lot of things going in your life. And for this topic, I really encourage you to take notes. I know you know somebody, maybe it's yourself, that is struggling to understand why God is allowing a particular thing in their life. Why God is allowing certain brokenness, certain uh, questions, certain confusion, why God is allowing certain things in our lives. And today's topic will give you that answer. I'm going to ask you for just a little more volume because I'm forcing my voice so much that I'm not going to finish this part. Just a little bit. So I don't feel I have to force it. I know the monitors are off, but still, thank you. So these three robes here will symbolize the stages that all of us, all of us, with no exception, will have to go through in our lives if we are to do the purpose that God has for us. So those three clothes will symbolize that. Now, none of these is the, the robe of salvation. This is the robe of salvation. These are the stages we will go through in our calling, all of us, with no exception. And let me tell you this. There is no age for your calling, no age limit. Okay, some people do their calling when they're 80 years old, after they have retired and paid all the bills for college for their kids, and now they're doing their their calling. Ask Moses, who delivered the people of Israel at 80 years old. Okay, so don't think that, oh, if I'm not young, this is not for me. No, you might be 20 years old and God is already trying to help you get on with your purpose. But maybe you're older and you think your time is past. No way. God has a purpose for your life. And this is the reason why you're here this afternoon. And hopefully his presence will be such a catalyst today that you will walk out of here saying, okay, I have the surest of salvation Now I want to respond by doing this type of ministry. Okay, so let's start in Genesis 37. I'm going to give you three different names of the three different robes that symbolize different stages in our lives. The first one is the robe of our calling. This is the actual calling. All of us have this since our mother's womb. We get this when we are born. We get this from God ahead of time. So, in Joseph's life, this is a very dysfunctional robe because it comes to him in a family that is not getting along. And this robe, um, God will use um, to take Joseph to a very special place. Now, let me tell you this. The story of Joseph, and, and those are taking notes, please listen to this. The story of Joseph is the most detailed biography we have in all of the Pentateuch because Joseph will become the bridge between the patriarchs and the rest of the Bible, Exodus and everything else. So his biography goes from chapter 37 to chapter 50 in Genesis. It's a long biography, 37 to 50. But what's so incredible about his bio, check this out, it's amazing, is that he has two plots Two ways that the story goes on. One is by the robes that Joseph will be wearing. He's going to be wearing three robes in his life. Of course, this is the most known. The multicolor robe is the most known. But there will be two other robes in the life of Joseph that most people don't pay attention to that symbolize different stages in his life. Okay? So three robes. But there is a second plot. And it's the dreams that God is sending. 
and each robe has two dreams attached to it. So there will be three robes in the life of Joseph, and each robe will have two dreams attached to it. Because God is orchestrating Joseph's life. By the way, did you know that God is orchestrating your life? Nothing that has happened to you, God will not use for his glory. Did you hear that? I used to ask God about this little word, all. When I used to read Romans 8.28, he's able to turn all things for the good of those who love him. And I used to say, all, all of it, meaning my divorce, meaning the difficult things I went through, all those letters I received, all the people that said I shouldn't be a minister because I'm a woman. Can you really turn all things for the good of those who love you? And God said, absolutely. My GPS recalculates, recalculates, recalculates. And all the things have happened to you, even the most painful ones, God is able to turn into something for his glory. Okay, so we start the first robe. This is the robe of our calling, the robe of our calling. So the first robe starts in chapter 37 of Genesis. And this is where we find this dysfunctional family. Verse 3 and 4, Genesis 37, verses 3 and 4. Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a multicolored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and they hated him and could not speak to him in friendly terms. Here's a dysfunctional family. If you're going to wait till your family is not dysfunctional to do your calling, you're going to wait all your life because all of our families are dysfunctional in one way or another. As a matter of fact, the Bible, all the characters in the Bible, even Jesus' family was dysfunctional. Did you know that his mother and his brothers tried to talk him out of his calling many times? Well, we are dysfunctional, and God uses dysfunctional human beings to reach other human beings. So don't forget, don't, don't wait for the perfect time. You know, when you wait for the perfect time to be a parent and that perfect time never comes because there's no perfect time. Same thing with your calling. So, the dysfunctional family cannot talk to, them, to each other in friendly terms. Israel, Jacob, makes a tunic for his favorite son. In the middle of this dysfunctionality, the two dreams come from God. So we get the two dreams. Verse 6. He said to them, please listen to this dream I have had. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf rose up and stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gather around and bow down, etc., etc., now, in this stage of your calling, you will not understand your calling. All right? Listen to that. In this stage of your calling, you will not understand your calling. Other people will tell you what your calling is. So, the Joseph's brothers interpreted for him. Verse 8. See, Joseph still doesn't have the gift to interpret dreams at this point, And his brothers will interpret it for him. Verse 8. His brother said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? Then he gets the second dream, very similar with the stars and the moon and all of that. And his father says, what, are we actually going to bow down on verse 10? Now, when God's presence come upon, comes upon us, um, his spirit starts doing this fire in your belly 
that you were placed, it was placed there from your mother's womb. But then all of a sudden it starts and you don't fully understand it. And other people tell you, you know, when you, when you sing, by the way, I love the song this morning. When you sing, it touches my soul. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just singing. No, no, no. You, you, you have been given gifts, you see. And other people will tell you, you know, I, I, I know you're not a counselor, but I want to tell you what's going on with me because when I talk to you, I feel much better. And you're like, well, I'm not a counselor. And other people say, yeah, but you have something because you encourage me. Well, other people at this stage will tell you. When you bake your cookies, I, I don't know, they're so healthy. I feel like I run, marath- I run a marathon. And you're like, I just like baking. No, no, there's something about you that's special. It's different. And maybe from there, you'll start doing a, a tea ministry that goes to help those that have lost loved one. And you bring cookies and tea to their house and have tea with them. You don't, you don't know what God had in mind for you. You just know that you have something that you do naturally that other people say, when you do this, you know, you really touch me. Okay? So don't forget that in this stage, you don't know your, your, your calling. You, you have a calling, but you don't know what it is. So one day, Joseph goes to Shechem. Verse 12. His brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. So Joseph goes to take them some food. When he gets to Shechem, they have moved to Dothan. And so he goes to Dothan. Now check this out. Did you know this? And I love that many of you are taking notes, but listen to this. He will be sold in Dothan to the Midianites, right? Did you know that the very land where Joseph was sold into slavery was given to him as an inheritance at the end of the book of Genesis? So he will become the owner of the land where he was sold into slavery. This is a full circle. Many times your life will become full circle. And you don't understand why God is allowing certain things in your life. Don't forget, most of our full circles will happen in heaven. Some of them will happen here. And you say, okay, that's why God allowed that. That's why how God is using this. But most of our full circles will happen in heaven. And we'll say, oh, that's why God allowed that. Joseph will become the owner of the land where he was sold into slavery. Do you remember the John 4, the Samaritan woman? Remember that she said, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave this well to his son Joseph? Well, that's because Sikar and Shechem and Dothan are all in the same geographical area. And so that whole well became Joseph's uh, inheritance. All right. So one day, you know the story. They put him in this cistern, in this pit. They take the multicolored coat. And Joseph is not understanding what God is doing in his life. Not understanding why God is allowing this pain, why God is allowing this. Now, if it were not for one verse here, we would all be so discouraged. But it's the last verse of chapter 37 that shows the detail of what God has planned ahead of time. It says, Verse 36 of chapter 37, it says, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. Look at all the information you will get that will be important later. He sold him not only to Pharaoh's officer, but we are given the name Potiphar and we're given the specific role, the captain of the bodyguard. So here we are at the end of chapter 37. Wondering what God is doing in our lives. 
Now, the presence of God is the catalyst in this. God is behind the scenes. Remember that every one of the robes in Joseph's stage has two dreams attached to it because God is still on his throne. He's still in control of Joseph's life. Nothing is outside of his control. Joseph at some point has to come to trust that God is directing his steps, even though he doesn't understand a thing that is going on. Now, I would like to tell you, oh, how much I would like to tell you, that there's a way you can go from the robe of your calling to the robe of the fulfillment of your calling without going through the middle robe that is your robe of training. I would like to tell you that it's possible to go from the robe of your calling to the robe of the fulfillment of your calling without going through the robe of, of your training. I would like to tell you that, but I can't because every single person in the Bible that did anything for God had to go through a stage of training that is usually a stage of suffering. Suffering has a way of stripping us from all the things that, all our securities in our lives. We lose a lot of things in this stage for me, obviously, you know that my divorce was, for me, this middle, very important middle training moment. And this is where the caterpillar will become a butterfly. This is the cocoon. The cocoon is where the caterpillar dies and the butterfly is born. It always blows my mind that the same spot can be a tomb and a womb. Have you thought about that? How the same place is a tomb for the caterpillar and is a womb for the butterfly. But if we come to terms with the fact that God is with us, then he becomes the catalyst for the way we will interpret what's happening to us. Because God is still on his throne. You know, during this time in my life, I used to tell God, I know you're the potter and I am the clay, but I'm in the oven a little too long. You know, are you sure you still have the control? I mean, I'm toasting here because, you know, I have to tell you, God's timing and my timing never match. And so here, Joseph is trying to interpret what's happening to him in his life. He's the son of Jacob. He's supposed to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's going on? This is the stage. And let me tell you one more thing. In this stage, you will receive two things from God. You will receive your abilities. You will go to school or get experience in an area or go through something hurtful that will give you experience to help other people in that area. You will get your abilities, but you will also get spiritual gifts that you cannot go to school for. You get two different things. You get abilities and you get spiritual gifts in your robe of training. Now, Joseph starts this stage. Chapter 39, chapter 38 is about something else. There's a parenthesis there. Chapter 39, verse 2, always gets me. Genesis 39, 2. The Lord was with Joseph. And you want to close your Bible and say, what? 
The Lord was with Joseph and he's a slave in Potiphar's house. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is there. And at, in the moment that you are facing something that you don't understand, like, like statistics tell me that more than 70% of you today would say that you're in the middle robe. 70%. Almost 80% would, would tell me, I don't know what God, God's got, doing in my life. This is the moment where you're putting your arms up and saying, I waited 20 years to get married. <laughs> and look what I got. Look what I got is the moment where you're like, I had all these plans for my marriage. Oh, I waited 20 years to have kids and... They're teenagers now. And you are saying, God, please, please help me. I don't understand what you're allowing in my life. Why, what can I do with my kid? I mean, let me tell you, God will allow things that will become your ministry later on. You know who are the best AA counselors and Alcoholic Anonymous? Those who were alcoholics. And then, not that God sent that. God didn't send that. But he recalculates it so, so that he becomes a blessing. God didn't orchestrate somebody raping you. But God will use that for you to help girls that, are, that got raped last year. And you can help them in their grief. Because nobody understands them the way you do because you went through it. You know who are the best counselors for divorce? Those who have been divorced. Because there's one thing you learn from the books, and there's a different thing you learn from life. And so God recalculates the GPS, grace positioning system. And so Joseph is now in the middle robe. The Lord was with Joseph. And I'm going to put this on, and you'll see in a moment that I will say that he had a special robe as the overseer. Verse 3, his master saw, I mean, chapter 39 of Genesis, verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Yeah, but he's still a slave. Yeah, but God is using that for his glory. Verse 4, so Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant, and he made him overseer over the whole house. From now on, every job that Joseph gets, he will be an overseer. Because he eventually will be an overseer in Egypt. But right now he's the overseer in Potiphar's house. He will be an overseer in the jail that comes in a moment. And he will be eventually overseer in Egypt. But he doesn't know that. And you don't know how God is going to use what's happening to you for his glory. You don't know. You just know, and this is the catalyst, that Christ is with you at this moment. That you have been saved by grace, as we studied a moment ago, you understand this by faith. And now you know that God has a purpose that he thought beforehand for you. And that makes you go through life in a whole different way. So we're in the second robe. And Potiphar says to Joseph, okay, I'm going to give you everything I own. And you're going to be the overseer of everything except my wife. And Potiphar's wife raises her hand and says, I want to be included in the things that Joseph oversees. In this 
stage of your life, your integrity will be tested. And even when you do the right thing, you will end up in jail. Did you hear me? Even when you do the right thing, you'll still end up in a spiritual, emotional jail that you don't understand why God allowed. And so, Joseph, in a moment you'll see, he's wearing a particular cloth, a particular robe of the overseer in Potiphar's house. Verse 11, chapter 39, verse 11. It happened one day that the, he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his robe, whatever word it says in your Bible, garment, cloth, or robe. She caught him by his robe. The robe that, that identified Joseph because nobody else had that robe because he was the overseer. She caught him by this robe saying, lie with me. And he left his robe in her hand and fled and went outside. And when she saw that he had left his robe in her hand and had fled outside, she called the men of the household. And you have this word many, many times, robe or garment or cloth, because it becomes exhibit A for him to go to jail. She's holding to, to it. Verse 15, when he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his robe beside me and fled and went outside. And this robe is stripped from Joseph. Poor Joseph, every time he gets a new robe, somebody strips it from him. When he thinks he's in a new stage, he gets taken from him. But don't forget, for each robe in Joseph's life, there are two dreams attached to it. Because God is on his throne and is orchestrating Joseph's life. Doesn't that make a big difference for you to know that God is still on his throne and he's in control of your life? It makes a huge difference for me. Because there's so many things I don't understand. I too get bad lab results. I too get things that I wasn't expecting. And my relatives do too. And I don't understand how they fit. But God does. And as I shared this morning, lately I've been thinking a lot on this, trust in the Lord with all your hearts and lean not on your own understanding. That's the hard part for me. Lean not on your own understanding. So Joseph gets stripped from his robe and he ends up as overseer in jail because he's being trained for what's coming. And when he's in jail, overseeing the jail, the two dreams come because each stage of Joseph's life has two dreams attached to it. And of course, you know the story. One day he's going around the jail and he finds two men, the cupbearer and the baker, and they have had two dreams. And for the first time in Joseph's life, we have him interpreting dreams. Because now he has been given the spiritual gift to interpret dreams. Chapter 40 of Genesis, verse 8. They said to him, we have had a dream and there's no one to interpret it. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. And the two of them told the two dreams to Joseph. The cupbearer will go back to Pharaoh in three days. The baker would be hung in three days. That was the interpretation of Joseph of the dreams. There's a part that most people don't talk about. And it's that Joseph tells the cupbearer, please help me to get out of here. See, I think it's great that Joseph is not in denial. I know a lot of Christians that are in denial. And I don't mean the river in Egypt, denial. I mean denial. 
You know, we, we sometimes are in situations that we don't like, that are uncomfortable, that we're suffering. As we were talking a moment ago, and, and sometimes we wear masks saying everything's okay. No, not everything's okay sometimes. And Joseph says to the cupbearer, help me get out of here. And I want to tell you something about the Hebrew that you will like. Chapter 40, verses uh, 14 and 15. Keep me in mind, verse 14, when it goes well with you, he says to the cupbearer. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house, verse 15. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. Now the word dungeon in Hebrew is the word pit which was the same word that was used when the brothers put him on the pit in the first place in the pit in the first place this is his second pit it's not only his second robe but it's his second pit have you ever asked god how many pits i mean how many pits am i am i that hard headed that I don't understand the purpose for my life, that you need to allow all these things to happen to me. So I get it. And God answers usually, you are a bad driver. <laughs> like that GPS. <laughs> it takes a lot to come to trust God like a child because we rely on our own understanding. And so what happened? Well, you know, he, the cupbearer went back to Pharaoh and forgot Joseph. Chapter 41 really bothers me. Chapter 41, verse 1, is, is one of those verses that I would like to change. I would like it to start by saying it happened at the end of two full days that Pharaoh had a dream. I would even settle for two months. It happened at the end of two full months. But he doesn't say that. The copper goes back to Pharaoh, and after two full years go by, Pharaoh has the dreams. You know, I, um, I have to confess that, as I told you before, my watch has never, ever, ever, ever matched God's clock. And when I look, I look in the Bible, everybody's struggling with the same thing. You know, uh, you know who Beth Moore is? Does anybody know who Beth Moore is? Beth Moore is a, is a great Christian author, and, and she has a very funny thing on, on the timing of God. She says, if you ever struggle um, with God's timing and, and it, it never matches yours, ask Sarah. She says, Sarah, who had the kid at 90 years old, right? She goes, to ask Sarah, who became the first woman to pay the pediatrician with a social security check. <laughs> I think that's such a funny statement. Yeah, she's the first woman in history to pay the pediatrician with a social security check, waiting her whole life to have this child that was promised. And at 90, of course she laughed. If, if, if any of you is 80 or 85 and I tell you you're pregnant, you're going to go, <laughs> what? I'm pregnant? And that's what Sarah did. And that's why Isaac is called laughter. Because Sarah had a good laugh when she heard. Right? So it starts here by saying, chapter 41, verse 1, it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. As a matter of fact, he had two dreams because each stage in Joseph's life has one robe and two dreams. So after all this time, the cupbearer remembers Joseph. You know, I, I am amazed at the fact that 
God had orchestrated every detail of Joseph's life. As a matter of fact, I need to bring you back because I would despair in this stage. If I was, I, I've been sitting for many years in this stage off and on because we go back to it. But if you're sitting in this stage, you despair. If it, if it were not for one verse, one verse that says, chapter 39 says that when Potiphar put um, Joseph in jail, he didn't put him in a regular jail. He put him in a special jail. Chapter 39, verse 20. Look at chapter 39, verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. It was the royal jail. It wasn't a regular jail. It was the royal jail. Does anybody know what legal right Potiphar had to put Joseph in the royal jail? Why could Potiphar put him in that jail instead of the regular jail? Why? Tell me. Yeah, aside from the fact that he might not have believed that he did anything, but what legal, tri uh, legal right did Potiphar have to put him in the royal jail? His position. He worked for Pharaoh. As a matter of fact, he was probably in charge of the jail as captain of the bodyguard. So when God said, okay, this boy is special. I am going to give him a special purpose in, my li in his life. Okay, so the Midianites are going to go by. He's going to be in the pit. They're going to take him. And I have to choose somebody that will choose him as a slave. But he cannot be anybody. It has to be somebody that works for Pharaoh. So when he gets put into jail, he won't put, be put in the regular jail. He's going to be in the royal jail where he's going to, you know, get to know the cupbearer and interpret the dream. And then the day that I send the dream to Pharaoh, then, then they're going to make the connection that they made in jail. Can you imagine the whole thing and you thought that the check you need to pay the rent is not in the mail a hundred years ago because God knows every detail of your life and, and and that's the catalyst that the, the fact that God is in control and his presence is there right now and he changes everything because you're not just an accident just going around God is on his throne and he is in charge of your life and orchestrating it to the smallest detail and you're going to say, yeah, but you don't understand. I'm like in jail, my marriage, my church, my job. I'm going to say, yeah, but that's the royal jail. It's the jail that God had planned for you ahead of time so that you would get the connection and the training you need for the way he wants to use you for his glory. So going back to chapter 41, here we have Joseph now being called. Because the cupbearer remembers, verse 12, chapter 41, verse 12. When Pharaoh had the two dreams, the cupbearer remembers. A Hebrew youth was with us there, talking about the royal jail, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard. And we related them, the dreams, to him. And he interpreted our dreams to us, to each one. He interpreted according to his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. And Pharaoh said, bring that boy. Bring that boy. And I like the details in the Bible. You probably have figured that out. And look at what it says here. That they called Joseph. Verse 14. Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. And they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. The pit again. That same word. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes. I, I like those things. It's almost like Joseph had 
you know, said, okay, whatever. And no, now he has to get shaved. He has to get changed. He has to get ready because he's coming to Pharaoh. To Pharaoh. Any of you have been to Egypt? Can I see your hands? One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Aside from Mount Sinai that you guys escalated, did you guys get to any of the temples on the Nile? No? The temples of that time are so magnificent, so magnificent that it's impossible for me to describe it. Just to think that Joseph would give an advice to a person that was considered to be a god and the magnificence of the temples and little Joseph, little Jewish, you know, Hebrew Joseph saying, I have an idea. You know, you almost feel like somebody would cut his finger off when he went like this, you know, because it's so magnificent. And here's Joseph that God has orchestrated his whole life for a particular purpose. And he's interpreting the dreams. But there's one last temptation. Verse 15. Last temptation. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream. No one can interpret it. And I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Oh, what a big temptation this is. When you start feeling so gifted that if people say, oh, you preach so nicely. Oh, you sing so nicely. And you go, yeah, yeah. Truly, I do. Yeah. That's the last temptation. You know, I work in media. I've seen people go bad when they start believing they're stars. I've seen people go bad in churches when they are so sure they're ready to be something. The first elder of the church. I've been waiting 20 years and I deserve this. No, 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 no. Your calling will find you stuttering, looking behind you, thinking that God is calling somebody else. You will feel unworthy and unready for your calling. Don't forget that. Because if you ever feel, oh, I got this, you're not the right person for the job. God is going to call you to things that you will have to be absolutely dependent on him just to be able to get through it. And so Joseph says, no, 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 no. Verse 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. You got this wrong. I'm not the gifted one. No, no, no. It's not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. It is all God. And now Pharaoh understands that this man is not just gifted. He has a divine spirit in him. So he says on verse 38, Pharaoh said to his servants, verse 38 of chapter 41, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all of this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. And then comes the moment we all been waiting for when he will be wearing the third robe. Verse 42. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in a robe of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. And Joseph became the overseer of the greatest power to be on this earth. And God used this boy to preserve the race through which Messiah had to come. The same way that he did with Esther later on, the same way he did with many others. Did you know that the word remnant in English, this is the first time it's used in our Bible, in the story of Joseph, where it says that Joseph was used by God to preserve a remnant for him through that race that the Messiah was to come. 
Now, you might say, well, how do we, how do we live life? Whether you are in this stage or this stage or this stage. Maybe this is the stage of your calling where you're not understanding what God wants to use you for. What is the purpose for which you're on this earth? Or maybe you're in the middle of the training and it's, you're toasting. Yes, you are the potter, I'm the clay, but getting a little warm here. Or maybe you are living your, your calling. You feel fulfilled. You get up every morning with a spring in your step, knowing that God is doing something supernatural that, that you could never do on your own. Well, before I tell you the answer, did you know that in the Bible, robes are very important because they symbolize status? And so we are, we are told about robes many, many times. But did you know that we know what Jesus will be wearing in the second coming? We're told what kind of robe he's going to be wearing. And the description is, is a line from the story of Joseph. But before we go there, I want you to underline the line in the story of Joseph. Chapter 37. Remember when they strip him of his tunic and dip the tunic in blood? Genesis chapter 37, verse 31. Genesis 37, verse 31. When the brothers had taken his tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in blood. You know, of course, the deepening blood is very important in the Old Testament for many reasons. They, they dipped the tunic in blood or the robe in blood. Now go to the book of Revelation when Jesus is coming for us. And look at the language when we are told what he will be wearing. I love this. Chapter 19 in Revelation, everybody is wearing white. Everybody, even the horse is white. The angels are white. The people are wearing white robes in Revelation. All of it is white except one. Chapter 19, verse 11. Revelation 19, 11. I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Verse 13. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. This is the sentence I ask you to underline in Genesis 37, 31. Now used to describe that Jesus is now wearing a robe dipped in blood that reminds us of the price he paid for us. Not just a symbol like the whole sacrificial system and all the blood we've seen in the Old Testament. This is his blood. That was the price he paid that we may be with him. So the question is, how do we live life? Whatever we're going through. With assurance, with this notion that God is in control of our lives, that his presence is with us, that he's Emmanuel, God with us at all stages in our lives, and that we're covered, that we can have the assurance of salvation at every stage. Well, maybe today you're in this stage, confused, wondering what God is doing. Maybe here you're suffering, being trained, or maybe you're so fulfilled and get to do what you were meant to do. Well, actually, it's quite simple. Once you have believed in what we talked about at the beginning, that you're saved by grace through the righteousness of Christ and you accept this by faith and all of it is a gift from God, then you can go through life with the absolutely absolute assurance that you're covered. You're covered in this stage and in this stage and in this stage. You're covered. That's the assurance. And understanding this changes our perspective 
of our purpose, of our life. Nothing is an accident. Nothing is out of God's control. He is with us. He's Emmanuel, and he will see us through until that day when he comes and he said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not just Emmanuel, God with us, but I am with you every day until the end of time. I want to finish with, with Revelation. I know you've been doing Revelation for seven weeks. But I want to finish with the final thing that John sees, where there's no more pain, no more tears, none of that, new heaven and a new earth. And I really can't wait. I started this morning by telling you that I lost my parents in the last five years, both of them. I can't wait for that day when there will be no more training, <laughs> no more pain, not, none of that anymore. Um, soon. Soon and very soon. So until then, let's remember how the story ends and Jesus wins. 